Well, folks, and uh, just as you settle there, uh, Malcolm's older brother, younger brother, Stephen Hillis. It's older. <laughs> so Stephen walks in this morning with his two children, and his two children are holding the Guess Who game. You know Guess Who? You, all the people, yeah, 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 yeah. And we kind of had a bit of a laugh and a joke about it. Stephen would be rubbish as a real character in Guess Who, being with red hair, glasses, beard, and usually wears a dopey hat as well. So, I mean, he self-confessed, he'd be guessed who within three or four attempts if he was a character, along with his uh, younger brother, older brother, Malcolm. Well, folks, we're back, aren't we? Isn't this good to be back, to be back, to be back? Like, we're, we're never away, but we're sort of away. Uh, but we are back. And, um, you know, in many ways, it's a bit like being back at school. Those of us who are parents, we're just delighted, aren't we, that our kids are back at school and... Back into routine, yeah, all the teachers are glad to be back too. Can't believe those long holidays you teachers have, flipping heck. It's unbelievable. Us who have to work for a living the rest of the time. So it's just unbelievable, isn't it? But in my former life as a teacher, um, I so remember those times when the principal or the year head or the teacher got to do the pep talk with the, with the kid. And it's just like, well, last year was last year, but this year it's a new slate, it's a clean slate, and you have a lot to work. It's a very important year. Every year is an important year. I love it. It's like, mm, GCSE level, important years. The rest of the years, mm, apart from AQE year, they're very important too. It's like every year is an important year, and it's like this the pep talk. So this, you would think, is the pep talk. You would think that this, the beginning of a new year, this is the chance to cast vision and sort of say, guys, this is who we are. This is where we're going. And I kind of want to do that in a really different way this morning. Rather than kind of saying, oh, guys, we want to be a church that's this. We want to be a church that's that and that. This is, this is where we're breaking ground and all the rest. Not that we really use that language. I really wanted to talk and share this morning um, that the way we build is more important than what we build. Okay, so we'll say it again, and we're going to just talk about this this morning. The way in which we build is more important than what we build. And people are known, it's true that people are known for what they achieved in life, right? So you could say, oh, such and such, they did that. And you can be known for that. But I think it's actually better to be known for who we are than what we did. To be known by our character and the kind of person that we were and the way that we loved and the way that we served rather than actually what we achieved in life. And so what I'd like us to do this morning uh, is, is take a look at a brilliant uh, set of chapters in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. I can't begin to do it justice in 20 minutes to look at three incredible chapters, but you can find that yourselves in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, happens early on in his ministry. Um, he's gathered his disciples and he's begun to kind of stir up uh, some intrigue about himself and uh, many, many people are gathered to him. And so he sits or they, he has this crowd of people sit. It's not on a mountain. It's more like a grassy hill because uh, I've been there, I know. And uh, on this part, it's from the shores, not far from the shores of Galilee, and he sits and he, and he begins to teach. And it must have gone on for some time. But we get the highlights of the sermon um, in Matthew. And he looks at a number of different things. He looks at these things called the Beatitudes. Uh, he tells 
his people that you are the light of the world, the fulfillment of the law. He talks about murder, adultery, divorce, and promises. He talks about loving enemies and secret giving, secret prayer. He teaches in that time the Lord's Prayer, which we know about, and about forgiving others. He talks about fasting, money, anxiety, judging, and asking people for, asking for your needs the narrow path and the good and the bad. That's what he talks about. We want to just highlight a few of those things this morning. But before we do, I'm going to jump right to the end of chapter 7. So we're 5, 6, and 7, and I'm going to start in the introduction with a conclusion that Jesus uh, says to all the people, all the listeners that, that morning or that day or whatever it was. And we find this in chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. This is his conclusion to all of the words that he has just said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. The way in which we build is more important than what we build. And those of you who know anything about building, you're in the trades in any way, or maybe you've had a house built or a, uh, an extension built, or something, you know the importance of the foundations. That's the unglamorous bit. That's the stuff that we don't actually see. It's the stuff that the builders dig down and they pour up the concrete before they put the bricks and all the stuff that we do see. The building that we do actually see above it. And yet we know, any of us, even if we're not in uh, construction industry, know how important it is for the structural thing that we actually see and that we live in to have what's beneath the rock. We need to build our lives upon the rock. And how do we do that? We hear these words of mine and put them into practice. And so we start then at chapter 5, and we have a number of verses. They're known as the Beatitudes, uh, sometimes translated into the word blessings. And what it is, is they describe the character of the people of the kingdom of heaven, and they're expressed as blessings. And in almost all cases, the phrases used in the Beatitudes they're familiar with Old Testament context, but in the sermon, Jesus gives them a new meaning. We're moving swiftly on. I'm really just going to touch on certain things this morning. Uh, he talks about salt and light. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And we've used these words before. We've spoken of this before. And he talks about salt and he talks about light. And he says, he's casting vision to, his, to the hearers that day. And he's casting vision with our hearers here this morning. Saying, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world. And it's so important that we remind ourselves of that. And for Jesus' early hearers there, he's saying, you are the light of the world. Go out into the world. We had a conversation early in the week with someone. And... Um, they were talking about uh, just what was going on in their life and all the rest, and they wanted to real make a difference in someone's life and pray for that person. And we could almost hear, Chantelle and I could almost hear in the person who was sharing this with us, this kind of hesitancy to 
you know, know what to do or to be able to do that. And we were just sort of simply said, if you know Jesus and you love Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside you and you are qualified. You don't need to have gone on lots and lots of training courses or done this and done that. You have what it takes. And if Jesus lives in in you and you've said yes to him, you have what it takes. You have it. The light of Jesus lives inside of you. And you need to go and let your light shine. Fulfill the law. We're in verses 17 to 20. Jesus comes and uh, he, um, he takes a number of the um, Old Testament commandments, which were known as the law. And uh, rather than kind of doing away with that, he actually uh, raises the bar slightly. He says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And whilst we no, no longer live under the law now in the new covenant, that doesn't mean to say that what was spoken of in the law is no longer relevant for ourselves. In fact, Jesus takes it a step further. He says this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. He raises the bar in terms of righteousness, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But let's be clear that this righteousness does not come from ourselves. It does not come from striving. It does not come from rule keeping. The rule keeping was the law. But this righteousness comes through faith in him and comes through the power of the Holy Spirit who changes us from the inside out. And we've said time and time before, haven't we, that this whole church thing, this whole Christianity thing that we that we're a part of. It's not about behavior modification. It's not striving to be just good living. It's actually about just falling in love with the person of Jesus and allowing his spirit to work in us and through us and change us from the inside out. And the more in which we focus our attention on him and less on those other things, the more we begin to demonstrate and display the fruits of the spirit because it's the spirit in us, through us, working in that way. But let us also be clear that there is a line that the external things contained in the commandments still hold true today. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, to do away with the things that were written then. I've come to fulfill the law. Therefore, there is a line. Um, I heard something, I was privy to a conversation uh, some time ago uh, between a couple of folks and it was, it was to do with something the, you know, sort of questionable, I guess. And, um, and the, as I kind of walked into the conversation, someone said, oh, quick, shh, it's the pastor. Which I'm like, who is he talking, are they talking about? And, and, and this other person, and I'm really, really hoping they were joking when they said, they said, oh, don't worry about that. Anything goes at Vineyard. And I was like, What? And so I want to be real crystal clear. Um, I'm really hoping that was said in jest. Anything does not go at Vineyard. It's really, really important that we know that there is a line. And, uh, and uh, so what I would say is, yes, we work really hard at creating an, uh, an environment and a culture where we come as we are. And we mean that. And what we do in that is actually we give people 
We give you, we give ourselves permission to actually journey the stuff that's kind of keeping us. But there's some things that we engage in which, which whilst it's okay, it's not okay. Does that make sense? So it's okay to come and say, I'm struggling with this. We're like, that's okay, but let's help you. Let's point you to Jesus and let's journey this together in loving, unjudgmental, that's not right, non-judgments, you know what I mean, and in a way that brings you through. So come as you are, but don't stay as you are. It's really important that we're really honest on those things. So back to the passage. We're going to choose one of six passages where Jesus takes an Old Testament um, external performance and he raises the bar in terms of internal obedience that God desires. Jesus talks about six things. He talks about anger, sexual desire, divorce, lying, revenge, and hatred. And in each case, he calls his followers to commit ourselves not to just obeying the external requirements of the law, but also that we allow the kingdom to govern our thoughts and our motives and our attitudes. That's the internal, the inside stuff. And so, uh, chapter 5, 27, 28. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And in each of these six areas, we're just choosing one, we're choosing the second one uh, to do with adultery. And each one, Jesus begins with, you have heard it said. And so what he's doing there is he's taking the Old Testament law or the Old Testament uh, way of living, the external performance. He's saying, you have heard it said, but I now say. You see what he's doing? He's not come to abolish the law. He's come to fulfill the law. And he's raising the bar. So he's, he's saying, in the past, you have heard it said, you should not commit adultery. But I say, and he goes on to say, those of you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now, here's the thing. The, the key word in this is lustfully. And it's not necessarily a good translation in the Greek, which I'm not going to pronounce the word in Greek, but it begins with E. And uh, the translation of the Greek word actually means to desire something or to strongly long for something. And so really, a better sort of translation of this isn't to see someone and go, for that she's nice or he's nice or whatever. Uh, And it's not necessarily to... Uh, to have come some kind of random thought that just enters into your mind. It is a strong longing for. It's a, well, I can't even speak. It is a desire, strong desire for, really is a better translation. And so put another way, Steve Fugard uh, helped me kind of come up with this the other day. He said, put another way, you can't help the birds landing on your head, but you can affect them building a nest in your head. You heard that one before? Oh, those of you good Christians who might, uh, is that right? Michael, thank you. Stephen, Stephen, stop talking at the back, please. <laughs> Someone famous actually said that. How, do, how does it go? What, said. what I said. <laughs> I said it. Who's Luther? <laughs> Jesus is saying, 
that to long for, strongly desire someone, that is something that's in the heart. And he takes what was an external thing and he actually raises the bar. Chapter 6, secret prayer and the Lord's Prayer. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Oh, how we would cultivate a life of prayer that we would go to the secret place, be it our room and close the door, be it go for a walk somewhere, be it in the car going to work, that we would cultivate a life of prayer. This is something where we build the foundations. It's the unseen, it's the unglamorous, it's the getting before the Father and saying, work in me, work in me, that no one else sees it, but we see the building above. And we delve in. And no one else can do that for us. The Lord's Prayer. Then, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he says these words. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is a choice. It is a posture of the heart. It sometimes requires action, and it sometimes requires a conversation. Forgiveness towards someone else is about releasing uh, them of what they have done, whether they are sorrowful of what it is or not, but you are releasing that person or those people of what it is. Forgiveness is about releasing the ill effects that grips your heart still. And it could be through actions or words or whatever it is, but it's about you releasing yourself unforgiveness only acts as a restraint or a constraint from the things God would have for us. And so there could be people here, there could be people that you know who are seeking and longing for God's blessing in your life. You're wanting to know him in a deeper way. You're struggling to get to uh, walking into all the good things that God has for you. And it could well be that you're holding or holding unforgiveness and harboring a grudge. And it's just important that we would be, as we continue to build as a church, that we as individuals, both relationships that we have within the church, but also relationships that we have outside the church, that we would be a forgiving people. Not just so that we are forgiven, but that we would release forgiveness as well. It is so important moving forwards together that we would do that continuing with matters of the heart Jesus goes after something really really important he says do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. We've said this before, one in 
every seven words of Jesus spoken was about money and possessions. Why? It was so intrinsically linked with our hearts. And we've said time and time again this, that everyone is a worshiper, whether we worship God or whether we worship something or someone else. And if we're a worshiper, we give of our whole lives. And if we want to know what we worship in our life, we've said this to you before, is you only need to look at your bank statement. When we look at our bank statements, we begin to see where our money goes and we begin to see where our devotion lies. Jesus says, don't store up treasure here, but store it up in heaven. Invest in the kingdom now and in the kingdom to come. So yesterday, on the last three days, 98 people have chosen to invest 20 pounds a month into a young person's life. Some, they'll never meet them ever. They'll write letters and cards and send photographs, and it's a wonderful way of investing in someone and in a community uh, somewhere else in the world. It's about investing in the kingdom now. It's about investing in the kingdom to come by being a generous people. And I love it. I love it in our church that we are a generous people, that we give of what God has given to us. We sometimes do this, so forgive me, folks, if you've been coming and you do this regularly and you're already generous. Uh, you can close your ears now. But for those of you who are new or nearly new, um, you will notice that we don't pass a, an offering basket as part of our service. And we do that with our guests in mind. We do that so that you don't feel compelled to have to do that because we don't want to do that. We want it to be a generous thing that comes freely uh, from your heart. So the ways that we do give in our church is uh, four ways. We, many of you folks give by standing order, and it simply comes out of your account into the church account, uh, which is great. We have a giving box, which is on our welcome desk outside there where the connection cards and the coffee mugs are. It's a wooden box with a cross on it, and uh, you can give there. Uh, some people to choose to do bank transfers, and uh, some people like to give by check. Something for the warriors. We're moving swiftly on. How we're covering three chapters, I don't know. Here we go. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's so easy to say, do not worry. I was, uh, I was out riding my bike the other day, and uh, whenever, you, whenever, whenever you've time to yourself, your, your mind tends to wander, doesn't it? And I don't know why, but I was, I was thinking, I was contemplating this. I was thinking, if I was on the, on the end of my days, and someone said to me, what can you say, uh, what would you do differently in your lifetime? And uh, by the way, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm at half time at the minute. I'm hoping that something's not around the corner for me. Half time I'd be happy with. Um, but I was contemplating what I would say, and, and I actually thought, you know, if I was nearing to the end of my life now, what I would say is I, I would spend less time worrying about what might happen. That's me personally. And from the mmms that I'm hearing, it's, uh, it, it's true, isn't it? And Jesus says in his words, do not worry. That's quite simple. We don't need the Greek translation for that one, I don't think. But to actually practice, that's a difficult one. How do we do that? 
by hearing his words and by putting them into practice. And I've noticed that the more that I spend time in his presence, the more I feel reassured by the voice of the Father that says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I guess that's seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Do not worry, but seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Oh, that our God would develop in us a wholehearted trust with everything in us. Chapter 7. We're nearing the landing strip here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? There's a great saying that we have. If you don't ask, you don't get. And God knows our needs. He knows that we have them. He knows where uh, things are just insufficient. And he's inviting us to ask him. He's inviting us to seek him. He's inviting us to knock on the door and saying, I want more of you. I want more of your presence. I want more of your favor. And it's okay to be praying, I need more of your resources. Here and now, on earth, as it is in heaven. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. I love these Sundays. This is coming into land. Um, I love getting together. And again, we've said these things before. This is the, the hurrah time together. But as we leave here, we go as individuals, but we also go in pairs. We go as families. We go as friends. We go in life groups. We go in serving on teams together, ministries together. And so many conversations take place and interactions and text messages and emails and Facebooking and all the rest that goes on. And it's all part of the beautiful mess. It's all part of the wonderful thing called the body of Christ. And I'd encourage you just to really delve into, uh, just read those chapters some more and ask the questions. How can I build my life upon the rock? Because it's so important that we labor Whatever we do as a church this year together, it is not about what we build, but it's about how we build. It's about how we love one another. May we look for ways to spur one another on in love towards good deeds. May we do that. May we be a forgiving people of one another. May we love and serve those who are not yet a part of who we are. And God is wanting to do more in us, actually, than he wants to do through us. He's much more concerned about us on the inside than what we could ever do for him on the outside. It's the inside stuff that counts. Amen. We are done. And why don't you guys come? And uh, you can lead us. Let's, let's stand together. We're going to worship.
and then we're going to just pray and see.